Sermon text for this morning's message will come from 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll have the text up on the screens or invite you to join along in your Bibles or uh, your app, whatever access to scriptures you have this morning. What did I say? I meant to say 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. Yeah, that ought to work. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that He considered me trustworthy, appointed me to His service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might demonstrate His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. There aren't many Sundays, I will confess, that I don't miss that I'm yeah, that I don't miss a big organ. But hearing this text is one of those days that if we had the pipe organ and could crank it up so that we could sing immortal, invisible, God only wise together, uh, it would just lift us up. Just imagine you're there with me for a moment. Paul is writing to young Timothy here. And he gives us an example of the incredible power of story. What in church language, uh, many of us grew up calling testimony. Most testimonies began a pretty much similar way, talking about life as it was and how we came to meet Jesus. The biggest problem with most testimonies is they stopped about the time we got our hair dried out from being baptized. Um, And if our testimony of faith is only about coming to faith, it is a tragically short story. For the testimony of God's grace in our lives is an ongoing story. Truly a never-ending story. In its most basic format, a, a testimony of faith goes something like this. What my life was like before I encountered Jesus. How I came to meet Jesus. And what my life has been like since encountering Jesus. Anybody use that format in, in sharing your story? It, it's, it's old, but it's still a good way to tell the story. 
Paul uses this format describing his life before meeting Jesus. He says, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. And I met Jesus by grace as he displayed his patience to me. An example. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them. What was my life? Paul, like Paul would say since encountering Jesus, he's given me strength, and he's considered me trustworthy, and he has appointed me to his service. Have any of you, like me, ever felt intimidated by someone else's testimony? You know, the really juicy ones? Somebody who, who led a really awful, awful life, and, and you're almost disappointed when they stop talking about how awful their life was? Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged by the story of others because we all have a story. Now, reading and hearing the faith stories of others can be inspiring and encouraging. We read the story of forgiveness of Corey Tin Boom. We read of the courageous faith of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We're all lifted by the, the vision of Martin Luther King Jr., by the humble service of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. We're still inspired by the servant spirit of Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. Their stories add to the richness of our stories. Now, I promise you that you aren't going to hear me plugging the book. But I do want to say this. One of the chief reasons that I wanted to put the story of our church's journey towards inclusion in written form was that our story might be an encouragement and a word of hope for pastors and for church leaders and for other churches on their journey. And that it also might be a word of encouragement to LGBTQ believers as they continue to look for church that will welcome them. Story. But we should never allow the stories of others to become guilt-inducing or leaving us feeling somehow inadequate because we'll never measure up to somebody else's story. Because that's their story. Your story and my story will be different. My, my personal story was what, not one of dramatic external change. I was the prototypical good kid. I followed the rules. I never gave my parents any trouble. And I went to church because I wanted to, not because anybody made me. At 13, I had barely tasted sin. But I realized that I was distant from God. And when I trusted my life to Jesus, I found the love of a God who loved me unconditionally. And a family that welcomed me 
I wasn't a blasphemer or a persecutor of believers. The only person I'd ever had a fight with was my brother. But the power of my story and of Paul's story isn't how bad we were. The power of our story isn't how bad we were. It's how good God is. So, if you're considering the weight of story, so often we we put all the weight on what my life was like before Jesus. But the weight of the story comes in the change made possible by faith in Jesus. It's not your badness or my badness. It's about God's goodness. Some of us can remember reading the old comic strip, Dennis the Menace. One of my favorites has Dennis and his buddy Joey sitting on the front porch of the Wilson's house. And Mrs. Wilson is bringing out a tray with warm cookies. You can see the steam coming up off the cookies. And two tall glasses of ice cold milk. And Dennis looks at Joey and says, Joey, now remember, Mrs. Wilson doesn't make us cookies because we're good. Mrs. Wilson makes us cookies because she's good. And folks, God graciously loves us not because we've earned it or deserve it, but because that's who God is. With Paul, we can affirm, yes, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But, but enough of other people's stories, Paul's story, my story. The real question of the day is, what about your story? What's your story? Paul was one of those sinners. He would say he was the worst of sinners. That would be typical Paul, by the way. And Christ Jesus came to rescue him. I, I'm one of those sinners. I've got my own stuff. And Christ Jesus came to rescue me. And you, and you, and you, you're, you're in the same boat with the rest of us. One of those sinners as well. And Christ Jesus came to the world to rescue you. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. For the longest time, I've read that phrase that the grace, God's grace was poured out on me abundantly. And I guess in my mind, I've envisioned a face looking up as a pitcher of water is just being poured over and God's grace flowing You know, and then John read for us the two stories of lost and found leading up to 
the lost son. But in those stories, when the shepherd went out to find the sheep, what did he do when he found the sheep? He came home and he celebrated. And when the woman lost the coin, she searched high and low until she found it, and then she got on her cell phone to call everybody. Group text. Because she had already called them all to say, hey, I've lost it, I can't find it. And her friends celebrated with her. Now folks, these are parables leading us up to the great story of God's gracious love. That God is a God who seeks and rescues. And when He does, He celebrates. So as much as I love my image of that pitcher of water gently pouring grace over us, I'm wondering if it might not be more like at the end of a football game when the team gets the surprise win and the players come and douse the coach with a cooler of Gatorade. That it's messy and there's a lot of it. And maybe even a little, a little sneakiness going on. But it's an overflowing abundance. A celebration. Because God knew the direction we were going and God's grace helped change the direction of our lives. Grace makes all the difference. It's not something we can do on our own. Lord knows we've spent a lot of time trying. Grace. What changes our story. Grace is what keeps our story going. For He graciously and generously pours out His grace on us along with the faith and the love that are ours in Christ Jesus. This is our story. God, how we thank you for your immense patience with us. For your abundant grace. God, help us to remember the glory of your grace at work in our lives. We give you thanks for the lives of those that helped us to start that journey, for those who have walked with us through that journey. God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to, to introduce others to the journey and to walk with each other along the way. 
God, help us by Your gifts of grace and faith. Join our story with your great story to live faithfully as your people. For we pray in Jesus' name. The thing I have learned about writing is that it's harder to stop than it is to start. And I guess what I'd want to say to us this morning is that your story hasn't stopped yet. Now, you may have wandered off somewhere along the way. You may have stumbled and fallen. You may have pulled up a chair and just decided to sit out for a while. But God's not through with you and your story. Matthew leads us Y'all know how much I love these things. As we sing, I hope that we'll just take a moment and consider anew what God and God's great grace has done for us. desires to continue. Brian, I'll be glad to pray with you. Good folks in this congregation who are faithful. However you're sensing God's spirit at work in your life calls you to public commitment, let us welcome you and affirm you.